Amen, amen. Everybody, open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. On the back of your announcements are notes. You can follow along and take these wonderful notes and write them down and have them for the week and study the Word. And also all the messages are available on the website, metropraise.org. Check it out. A lot of good things there. If you're ever not able to come to service, there's a webcast. If you want your friends to know what you're experiencing here, all they have to do is tune in the same time we're having service to the website, and we're on live webcast. We're, we're live right now. Are we live, my brother? Every, every man, everybody say hello. hello. Amen. Praise God. If you're in Romans chapter 14, will you say that I'm there? Come on. If you're there and you're excited, say amen. All right, come on. The Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. How many think you could memorize the first part of that scripture today? You think you could? I think many of you could. We're going to read it two more times, and then we're going to turn off the slide, and we're going to see if people can memorize the Scripture in church. Wouldn't that be something? You actually learned the Bible in church? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? You actually learned the Bible? Okay, you all got that. That's good. Okay, let's read it again. One, two, three. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. One more time, put on your thinking cap as you read it through. Memorize it because this is a scripture you want to know the rest of your life. It's so beautiful. We're going to talk about it today in depth. But this is one of those verses that you can always remind yourself of. You're going to really have a great time as a Christian. Okay, one more time. Read it together. One, two, three. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You all ready to say it without... Having it up there? One, two, three. For the king. But of righteousness. Amen. Give yourself a hand clap. Come on, wasn't that awesome? You just memorized one of the most greatest scriptures of the Bible. In the context of this, and as you'll learn about me as a preacher, you'll know that I usually don't like taking uh, scriptures out of their chapters. Verses are those numbers, you know, before the chapter, and the big one, 14, is the chapter, the little one is the verse. Well, obviously, there's been 17 verses before that verse. Most of the time when I like to preach, I'll read you the whole chapter. But today, we just don't have time because I really want to expound on this verse. But let me just give you a little prelude to what's going on here. Paul is talking to Jewish Christians. These are people who were Jewish. They celebrated the festivals. They lived in Jerusalem. They went to the synagogue with priests, and they really loved God. But when Jesus came as their Messiah, they accepted Jesus and now became a Christian. They are now torn between their two religions. Are they Jews that follow priests and synagogues, or are they Christians who follow disciples and meet in house churches? Be kind of similar to somebody today leaving an organization as large as the Catholic Church. Are you Catholic or are you Christian? There's a lot of people that go to Catholic churches. They go to the Mass. They're very big buildings, and, and they, they teach the Word there. There's a lot of truth there. But the true Christian faith is not about praying to saints. It's not about Mary and those different things. Are you all listening to me? And it would be like somebody saying, I'm not going to follow the Catholic church. I'm going to follow the Christian church. And maybe they come to a Christian church like this that meets in a storefront. Okay? Well, these Jewish believers were giving up this big religious philosophy that they had. I mean, Judaism was a big religion. It still is today in many ways. And Jesus was a Jew, by the way. So when people who are Jewish say to you, well, I'm Jewish. I couldn't be a Christian. You can tell them you worship a Jewish king, the Messiah. He's come. Amen? But anyways, there's these people, and they're really called uh, Christians by name, but they're living more like Jews. And what that means is, is they're keeping the dietary laws of Judaism. Judaism said you could not eat any, any lechon. And I think that there wouldn't be too many Jews here. Amen? Uh, the Bible says you couldn't eat pork. And especially for me living in New Orleans, no shellfish. That's no crawfish. That's no crab. Uh, that's no shrimp. Any of those things. Okay? Couldn't eat oysters. Any of that. Well, what they began to do was say to the other new Christians who would be Gentiles, like, like who we are, non-Jewish in heritage, these Jewish Christians began to tell the other people, hey, if you want to be a Christian, 
then you've got to stop eating pork. You've got to, you know, stop eating shellfish. You've got to only eat what we eat, drink what we drink, wash your hands before you eat, etc., etc. And Paul is now answering them. Paul is going to tell them what the kingdom of God is and what it's not. He says the first thing is the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Now you understand that, right? Because some of you are like, why is he talking about eating and drinking? That's why. Because Jewish people were trying to tell the Christians, it's about this. It's about religion. Now, why did I go through all that? Because today, there's a lot of misunderstandings in America of what the kingdom of God is. If I was to write this out to the people today of America, I would say the kingdom of God is not a matter of going to church on Sunday in Christmas. Hello, it's not that. The Christian faith is not that. I would say the kingdom of God is just not not murdering anybody and every now and then giving to the guy who rings the bell for Salvation Army in front of the grocery store. But isn't that what a lot of people would define kingdom of God as? You ask somebody, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah. Are you going to heaven? Sure. Why are you going to heaven? I'm a good person. You ask them why they're a good person, and they start telling you all the things they don't do. I don't rape, I don't steal, I don't murder. And we've talked about that before. That would be like me going to a, a person on the job, and, and let's say I was at a construction site, and I went up to the guy who's supposed to be in charge of laying the beams and pillars for these big skyscrapers. If I said, hey, are you a construction worker? Yeah, I'm a construction worker. What do you do? And he says, well, I don't drink, I don't spit, I don't cuss, I don't do this. That doesn't mean he's a construction worker. He would have to say, well, I lay the, the foundation, I weld the, the metal. Are you listening to me? Jesus is not going to applaud us in heaven going, great, man, you didn't murder. You're so awesome. You didn't rape. I'm being honest with you. We think that we're going to get in heaven and we're going to be rewarded for the things we didn't do. No, God's going to reward us for the things we did. You see, the kingdom of God is an acting kingdom. It's not just sitting at home by yourself saying, I'm not a bad person. No, it's going out and being righteous. It's going out and having peace. It's living the life of joy. Is anybody getting this? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Never forget that. Now, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is, let's go to another scripture. And they're not going to be up here today. So, you, uh, Well, they will be on the screen, so yes, they will. But everyone who has a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 17, verse 20. They will be up here, but I would prefer if you have a Bible to follow along. That's a little bit better. Luke 17, 20 is going to tell you what the kingdom of God is and where it is. When you get there, somebody say, I'm there. Because we need to know what it is, first of all, right? The kingdom of God. Like, what is this thing we're talking about? Now, I'm sure if I asked many of you here today, if I said, hey, what's the kingdom of God? Many would say what? Heaven. People would say, heaven's the kingdom of God. And that's partly true. But do you have to wait to go to heaven to be in the kingdom of God? Jesus said in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the what? Unless he is what? Born again. Does that start when you get to heaven? Do you get born again when you get to heaven? No, so if you're born again now, you get to see the kingdom of God now. Look at it right here. One time, uh, the Pharisees, these Jewish people who had not yet believed in Jesus, were trying to test him. And they were coming up to Jesus going, Jesus, when is heaven coming to earth? When is the kingdom of God going to be on this earth? When are you going to destroy the wicked, the evil? When are you going to set up your kingdom in Jerusalem, rule over the world? Look what Jesus says. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. I need the whole chapter there, brother. It does not come with your careful observation, but... Somebody uh, read what it says here with me. Come on, what does it say? But what? Come on. Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is where? Where is the kingdom of God? Come on, point to where it is. Right here. You see... That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God living in you. Now, I said this scripture, but I'm going to have you read it. Go to John chapter 3. How do you get into this kingdom? Go to John chapter 3. And, brother, I need you to put up the full chapters for me, please. John chapter 3, starting in verse 3. How does a person enter this kingdom? If you haven't uh, heard of this, you're going to hear it right now. It's called being born again. Everybody say born again. John chapter 3 is Jesus meeting with Nicodemus, another Jewish person. Now, you've got to understand, these guys could not get the concept. 
Here they're thinking a kingdom is coming on earth. Here they're thinking that God is going to rule on earth. No, that happens later. What Jesus was trying to tell them is that it's going to happen on the inside first. And here you have Nicodemus, and you've got to read this to understand this, okay? You understand it? Come on. You've got to read the Bible to understand the Bible. You're about ready to hear something very funny, very gross, but it's his only understanding of what's going on. Watch out. Here we go. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, verse 3. No one can what? See the kingdom of God unless he is what? Born again. Now, what does this man think? Nicodemus, he's a 60-year-old man. He's a rabbi. He has his degree in religion. What is the best concept he can think of of being born again? Come on, some of you already know it, but watch this. He says in verse 4, this is what he says. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Just think about it. It's okay to laugh in church. My wife and I watched a baby coming out yesterday. We were in a class in the hospital getting ready for having a baby. I couldn't imagine a 60-year-old man or any person trying to go back in. Could you even imagine? It's okay to laugh. Come on. The best understanding Nicodemus could have of this concept of being born again is all about his flesh. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not saying you're going to see the kingdom of God, knock on its door, come on in, say, I'm in the kingdom of God. No, look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, verse 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Now look at the concept here, verse 6. Verse six flesh gives birth to what? Flesh, but Spirit gives birth to? Spirit. And he begins to talk about this is a spiritual birth. So what is the kingdom of God? It's God's Spirit living in you. Where is it? It's in you. How does it come? It comes spiritually. Is it about eating and drinking? No. Is it about just coming to church on Sundays? No. Is it about just saying you don't murder, steal, kill, and lie and all that? No. It's having God on the inside of you. God's kingdom is here. God is a king right now here. One day, does he come back? Does he put a nuclear bomb on this place, melt the whole earth with his fire, purify it, and then reign on this earth forever and ever and ever? Yes. But where the Jewish people confused it in the context of the scriptures we've been reading is they thought that that would come first. No, what Jesus wants first is personal relationships. So I'm going to say that again. The kingdom of God is a personal relationship with the king. And God wants our relationship. You know, go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and learn what the kingdom of God was always meant to be. One day we will see Jesus again face to face. But right now the relationship still can happen. But go back and look at the book of Genesis. Start at the uh, chapter 2 and go to verse 15. Look at why God created you. Look at why God created me. Why? Were we ever put on this planet? I was talking to some people yesterday that said they believed in evolution and they were some high school students and they were these nice young ladies and, you know, they were being nice to uh, Joselito and I and they were kind of being giggly with their boyfriends and they were saying, we believe in evolution. And I was like, okay. I'm like, let me ask you a question. How did this earth come to be? And they're like, the Big Bang. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't been in high school for a while, so I don't know exactly how they teach you this. But I want to ask you a question. If you can answer it, I'll believe in evolution with you. And these girls, you know, with their boyfriends are all giddy. And I said, tell me how nothing explodes and makes something. And they couldn't explain it. See, that's what evolution teaches. Nothing exploded and made something. That's the Big Bang, my friends. We know that's not true. God created us. God created us. If you see a watch, what does that presuppose? A watchmaker. If you were walking on the beach one day and you found a watch laying on the ground, would you pick it up and go, wow, this must have exploded out of nothing and chemicals and landed right here on the ground, put all together and working at the right time. Woo! And it even has Seco on the back. And that must just mean that you know that that just happened by chance too. No, if you saw a watch, you would know there's a watchmaker. You look for the label and you see who it is. When you look at human beings, you know that there's a God maker. You look in the heart and you see that that God is Jesus. No one else explains why we are the way we are. That's just so simple. But why did God create us? Okay, so we know we're not animals, though people may act like them sometimes. Okay, no husbands bumping wives or wives' husbands. Okay. 
No brother, sister fights over here. Okay. We know that we don't always act right, but that doesn't mean we are animals. We're made in the image of God. Let's see that in the Bible. Amen. Look at uh, Genesis 2.15. Somebody say, I'm made in the image of God. Now, I'm fast-forwarding a whole lot right here. You can read the first three chapters of Genesis, but I want to just bring you through a few. Uh, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely what? You will die. Now, God made us to fellowship with him and to be in this garden. The Bible says God would actually walk physically in the garden and hang out with Adam and Eve. The Bible also talks about that they were so pure that they didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even know they were naked until they sinned. But he gave them this one rule. All relationships have boundaries. You guys understand that, right? Married couples, don't you understand that you just can't go out and date anybody you want now? Because a relationship, right? How many understand forced love is rape? I want you to think about that. If I forced myself upon a person and forced me to uh, force them to love me, that's rape. That's kidnapping. Are you all with me? And it gets gross and sick. Pedophilia, molestation, that's nasty. But you know what a lot of times people say? They say, well, why would God create me if he knew that I would sin? Because like in any relationship, he gave you a choice. Forced love is rape. God didn't force us in the garden. You're going to love me. You're going to pray to me. You're going to worship me. That would be like rape. That would be that would be kidnapping, wouldn't it? The kingdom of God is not religion. The kingdom of God is not us praying five times to Mecca because we feel we'll die if we don't. The kingdom of God is a relationship within us by the Spirit. That's why He first made us. And there was a boundary. There was a rule He set up. There was a demand. Just like in a marriage, okay, we're together. Here's the covenant, Nancy. I'm not going to go out with somebody else. I'm not just going to have one girlfriend. It's just you and me. His command to them was, you can do everything, but don't eat of this tree because this tree is your way out. This tree is your knowledge of good and evil. You can be in this garden. You can know me. You can, God was saying you can know all about me, you can know all the good, or you can take a, a, a detour, you can take a turn off this path of righteousness and know good and evil. We were never meant to know, uh, you know pain and abuse. We were ne- never meant to know death and destruction. So that's why when people say, you know, I can't believe in God because of evil. No, I have to believe in God because of evil. E- evil is here, and how do we escape it? It's only through Jesus Christ. Man was never meant to know evil. Are you listening to me? But now go to verse, uh, chapter 3 rather, of Genesis. See the fall. It's titled before my chapter in the Bible, The Fall of Man. The serpent comes. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now notice right here the devil comes and he tells a lie. If you go back to the command of Jesus, Jesus says you're free to eat from any tree of the garden. But look at what Satan says. You must not eat from any tree of the garden. You're going to learn right here how, this, how Satan comes and tempts you. Satan will always come and blow things out of proportion. Let's say today somebody here is single and they're waiting to get married. And they understand that the Bible says that you should be celibate. You should become a virgin again if you're not already. and Live that way until you get married. What will the devil come up and whisper in that person's ear? God's not going to let you ever get married. You'll never experience love. You know, he'll tell you young people as you're watching, your friends have boyfriends and girlfriends. Didn't God tell you you'll never have a boyfriend? Come on. Now, that might have been your dad saying that, ladies. But that wasn't God. See, God didn't tell them you can't eat from none of the trees. He just said you could eat from all of them except that one. See, God's commands are actually for our benefit. God says we can fall in love for that example to follow through. God says we can do the wonderful things that married people do. Somebody say amen. Keep it PG on Sunday morning. God said we can do all of those things, but how do we do it? His way. We do it through falling in love with a godly man or woman. We do it through marriage, commitment for the rest of our life. Amen? So the devil lies, and he says, Oh, did God say you can't eat from any of the trees of the garden? The woman now is talking to the devil. And you know it's never going to good good when you're talking to him. You should just command him, cast him out, and step on him. Amen? So she talks to him. We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden because if you touch it, you will surely die. 
Now look at that. She's beginning to lie. Jesus didn't say you couldn't touch it. Jesus says you couldn't eat it because in a little bit she touches it and nothing happens. It wasn't until she eats it. It shows you the progression of sin. You know, I have, I've done this many times and I'm just going to do it again. Go ahead, Ish. Stand up for us. <laughs> Everybody already knows. Now parlay for me. That doesn't turn me on. If, if I touched that, that, you know, just touched him, that wouldn't make me fall into sin. Are you listening to me? But my wife and I, you know, we had to put pillows between us. We had to be careful about the time we spent alone together because it was like an engine. You know? It's quiet when a preacher preaches like that. Come on. I mean, I think we all have those feelings too, don't we? Uh, you know, okay, we fall in love. But I had to protect myself. So here's the thing. Satan is saying to this woman, uh, you know, you can't eat from any of the tree. She says, no, I can eat from all the trees but this tree. But God said, if I touch it, I'll die. And so what this begins to do in her mind is begin to test God. And because in a little bit she take, she touches it, takes it, and she looks at it and nothing happens. Then she realizes that it's good to eat. And then when she eats it, it brings death. You see, temptation starts off small. The devil won't tempt you with things that don't uh, lure you in. He doesn't, you see, he doesn't tempt me with homosexuality. No matter how beautiful Ish is, he'll never tempt me. But, but he can tempt me with the things of, of my life, which would be like losing my temper, being angry, impatient. Are you with me? Lusting. Those are the things that I, that I may face and I face. But you you see right here, Satan is trying to lie to her. Now she's lying and mis- misunderstanding the commands. Now keep going. Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent says. Now it's a flat out lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like who? You will be like who? God, knowing good and evil. So what is the bottom line right here? Why am I reading all of this? Because the opposite of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of self. Y'all got to get that right now. You better write that down, highlight it, put it in your Bible. The opposite of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of self. If you are not serving God, if you're not living for God, if you're not doing the things God asks you to do, and we're going to get into righteousness, peace, and joy in a little bit. If you're not doing those things, you are serving yourself. The biggest lie the devil told people was, hey, you don't need a God You can be a God. And how many of you today hear people say this? I do what I want. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I'll go to church how I want. I'll raise my family how I want. Come on, somebody. You hear that. I know I hear it every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't hear that. People want to be in charge. Look out for themselves. Even when people say, I live for my family. What comes before family? My. It's their family. They're not living for other families. They're living for their family. Why? Because it's the kingdom of self. Now, I don't have time to read all through this, but the Bible says when they ate of the fruit the woman and the man they died doesn't mean they fell over instantly and died otherwise there'd be no human race no the bible says they died spiritually so what did god create them for fellowship god gave them boundaries that was the kingdom of god but because they sinned now they had this the kingdom of self they had the sinful nature now you and i have been born sinners right now you're in the kingdom of self unless you've been born again You'll live for yourself. You'll do things for yourself. It's all about me, myself, and I. Somebody say the kingdom of self. Now go back to that scripture we just read, Romans chapter 14. That was the introduction. Somebody say the introduction. Are you all ready for the message now? I had to tell you all that so you could understand this. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of self. We're not going to define righteousness on what you think is right. Peace is not going to come the way you and I think it should come. Joy is not going to come through the things you and I think of joy. When we say, just think of it, come on, when I say the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, how do we define those things? Well, I don't do this, I do this, that's right, peace, every now and then I hang out with my family, I feel gay, joy, I get paid on Fridays, that's joy, right? I eat a lot of food, come on. No, this is not the kingdom of self. The first thing you learn now is this is not about you anymore. The kingdom of God is not about you. It's about God in you. You belong to God. You're God's temple. What does God want? How would you like it if I came into your house and all of a sudden, you know, like with Amy, I came to Amy's house and I said, you know, Amy, you know, I don't like where you have this couch. 
Come on, let's put this couch over here. Let, let you know why you have your bedroom in this room. Put your bedroom in this room. Put your, that would offend you. That would bother you. It would bother anybody. How about if we did it even rudely, you know, just without any respect? Oh, that's dumb. That's, you like that couch? Oh, that's so ugly. We look at our lives and we tell God, God, I want it this way. I want to marry this person. I want to live over here. I want to have this job. And I command you. It's like we call our prayers, but they're, they're not prayers. They're really command. I command you, God, to do this for me. It's not the kingdom of self. It's not you're a little God and God is now trying to help you become the American dream. No, 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 no. This thing is about Him. This thing is about what does God want in your life? How does He want your family to be? What job does God want you to live? How does God want you to raise your children? How does God want you to spend your money? God should be a part of every decision you make in life. If you believe it, can you say amen? Look at what it says right here. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, here's the key, is pleasing to who? To God and approved by Now, that doesn't mean everybody will like you. It means godly men. Godly men and women will approve your life and say, hey, that's the right thing. You know, sometimes people talk to me about their family, and we got to be tough sometimes. I, I receive tough love. I'm a product of tough love. And sometimes people tell me, man, i got this 20-year-old guy, you know, young man, daughter living in my house, can't listen to me, don't follow the rules, and I just became a Christian. What should I do? What do I tell them to do, parents? Put them out. Say, hey, here's your three months. Put them out. Either you live right or you live out on the streets or somewhere. And some people look at me and they say, oh, man, that's so wrong. Man, my parents did that to me. I was 18 years old. I was on drugs. I didn't want to obey their commands. And I'm not talking about people who follow their parents' commands. That's between you and your family. I do believe in independence. You know, people getting out on their own. But I'm not here to judge that. But here's what I'm here to say is when someone living wrong, like I was, my mom said to me on my 18th birthday, here's your car keys. Here's the title for the car. Here's your little birthday envelope and birthday money. Goodbye. That was it. It's quiet when I preach like this. It's something. You see, because sometimes you've got to please God before you please men. But if you please God, you'll be approved by men, godly men. And my pastor uh, at that time said, that's the right decision. They stood by my parents. You understand? And you see, you're not always going to make everybody happy, but you'll make the people who love God happy. And more importantly than that, you'll be pleasing to God and approved by men. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Pleasing and approved. That's the Bible, right? Amen. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's talk a little bit about righteousness. I want to define the word righteous. Write it on your paper. Righteousness is doing the right thing by God's definition. When taxes were around, did you tell the truth or did you lie? Did you put on there how much you really made and were you faithful to pay it or did you make uh, things appear that they were not true? Did some of you even pay your taxes? Come on. I was talking to a young man, and he shared a Christian witness, uh, a testimony to me as a Christian. It blessed me so much. He, he wanted to be in the military. He lost all this weight to join the Navy. He had worked out. He was there. He had passed all the tests. They were ready to accept him. And one of the questions on the physical was, is do you have eczema, which is, you know, a skin, a rash of some sort. Not really can be seen if you have a mild case. And he had the temptation in his heart. He had eczema. He had the temptation to put, no, I don't. But he knew that he did. And he put it on there, yes. The uh, drill sergeant, the recruiting sergeant said to him, hey, you don't have to do this. You know, this is one of those things where they're kind of like figure out as they go along. It's like a need-to-know basis. You know, just put, no, you don't have it. And if it ever breaks out and somebody finds it, then, you know, deal with it then. And as a Christian, he said, I can't lie. How many of you would have done that? There was his job. That was his career. That's what he had planned his whole life to be. And here he said, I can't lie. I know I have it. I will not put yes there. You see, the kingdom of God is righteousness. Doing what's right by God's definition. Let me give you a definition of integrity. Everybody put down integrity. It's doing what's right when nobody else is looking. Integrity. Say that word. Integrity. Come on, say it like you're up this morning, like you're not scared of saying a big word like that. Somebody say integrity. integrity. We've lost all integrity in America, haven't we? If I asked you today, honestly, how many times have you lied this week? Some of you would be very candid and honest with me. You've lied. 
You lied about when you came to your work. You clocked in the wrong time or had somebody clock in for you. Some of you, you left early, but you said you were there. Come on, let's be honest. If we talked about integrity for students, you would have to be honest. Maybe you cheated. Maybe you looked at somebody's paper. People here today, maybe you would have to be honest about the things you've done on your job, the assignments that you were given. God is looking for people of integrity. Who are you when nobody else is looking? That's who God sees you as. It's not my persona behind this beautiful pulpit on a beautiful Sunday that makes me who I am. No, it's who I am by myself, 1 a.m. on the computer, and I'm looking at MySpace, and all of a sudden here comes a pop-up ad of a woman in a bikini saying, click on me and talk to me. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why you can't even go to MySpace. If you can't resist that, you need to shut it off, burn that computer, give it away, get, get away from it. See, that's integrity. I remember one time I was, you know, wanting to buy this expensive software for our computer and different things, and the software cost $1,000, $1,000, and it came on one disc, one disc. Here it is, you know, like a CD disc, $1,000. I was paying $1,000. It wasn't a ripoff. I mean, that's what it cost. There were programs that cost $20,000. It's to edit videos. It's a very expensive software, and I was on eBay, and I was bidding for it, and all of a sudden, somebody had saw that I was bidding. They kind of like spammed me, and they said, we have a copy of that for $10. Now, if you know anything about software, it's illegal to make those copies. It's illegal especially to distribute those copies, kind of like DVDs. If you have those in your house, you should throw them out. It's not legal to have those guys, those guys in the movie theater bumping up and down, getting you Transformers before it comes on video. Let's be honest, people. It might be tight, but it's... Oh, y'all going to get it. It's tight, but it's... Right, come on, because we're supposed to be what? Righteous. Amen. Doing what's right by God's definition. So here I am by myself at the computer... And here's the choice. Let's just be real candid right now. It's $10 for the same exact thing or $1,000. And there we have, you know, the temptation. Oh, come on, Joe, nobody's looking. I'm by myself. All I have to do is click yes, do the DVD, you know, get the CD, load it up on the computer. No one's ever going to ask any questions. No one's ever going to know. It, it's, it's done. It's over. Move on with life. And God said, if you do that, I will begin to withdraw my spirit from you because you're not being righteous. And we're going to talk about David and a person in the Bible who began to make compromises when nobody else was looking and how God began to take his blessing away from him and it cost him more than what it was ever worth. It was not worth it for me to do that. And I did it. I paid that $1,000 for that CD. Why? Because I want to do what's right. What do you do when no one else is looking? How are you living today? I want to show you a couple of scriptures. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. 1 John chapter 3 verse 7. John the apostle of Jesus gives us a definition of what true righteousness is. Helps us understand how important it is to be in this kingdom. Because once again, where is the kingdom point to where the kingdom is? It's in us. There it is. Everybody knows now it's in us. It's not just how I look on Sundays. It's how I live in my heart. If you're there, can you say I'm there? It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is who? Of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So who are you of today? Are you of God or are you the devil? I don't have time to have us all read the story, but the story is found in 1 Samuel. David is a king. He's in charge of Israel. This is the guy who wrote the book of Psalms. This is the man who led the procession of the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, dancing, takes off his suit clothes, dances in his undergarments. He loves God. He killed Goliath. He's an awesome man of God. But guess what? One time the battle was uh, the kings went out to fight wars, and he was supposed to join the battle. But you know what the king of, David, the king of Israel, King David, said? He said, you know what? I don't have to fight this battle this time. I'll just stay at home. Teaches us the lesson you can never give up fighting temptation. When you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. You always have to fight every time. So he stays at home. And what does the Bible say? One day he's out on the top of his palace and he starts to observe the land that he rules over. And over here, what does he see? A beautiful woman named Bathsheba taking a bath outdoors. 
And what does he do? He begins to lust in his heart. So he begins to take the steps. He comes back again. He sees her again. Eventually, he tells somebody, bring that woman to me. Now that he's already lusting after, he has to have her. He commits an affair with her. He's married, and so is she. This is the Bible, by the way. This is not guiding light. Come on. Telling us the truth. Righteousness. See, nobody was looking. Then David uh, finds out that the woman's pregnant. So now he wants the man that she's married to who is actually at the battle fighting to come back home and to sleep with his wife so that he'll think the child is his. And you thought this only happened on Maury Povich. It happened back then. Who's my daddy? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He comes back home with the man Uriah. His name is Uriah. He's so loyal to the army of God. He says to David, David, you pulled me off the battle. I can't sleep with my wife. All of my fellow men are battling out there. I'll sleep on the floor. He sleeps outside of his house, never goes inside, never sleeps with her. He tries to make him drunk, tries to make him stumble. He never does it. He's so loyal. Then David sends a note with Uriah to his captain, and the note says, put Uriah on the front of the battle lines, move back from him, and let him be conquered and killed started off with lust well first it started off with not fighting temptation then it moved to lust inward desire then it moved to adultery then it moved to deceiving and lying and conniving and then now what is it resulting in murder all this was done in secret he didn't think anybody knew he didn't think anybody knew this is the king you know who's going to know all of a sudden, the prophet Nathan comes before David, and he tells him a parable. And the parable was a story about a man was rich, and he saw this poor man. And this poor man only had one little sheep. And the rich man said, I want your sheep. And he killed him, and he took his sheep. And Nathan said, what would you do to that man who killed uh, that innocent guy just to take his sheep? He said, I would string him up by his feet. I would beat him. I would kill him. I would do everything to him. Nathan then pointed the finger and said, that's you. He said, you're the king of Israel. You could have had any woman. You could have done all these things, but you did it against God's will. You broke his commands. You committed murder. Now God is against you. The child that Bathsheba had died. His sons then began to rebel against him and split the kingdom. Everybody turn with me to Psalms 51. Somebody say repentance. If you ever find yourself in a place where you haven't done what's right, you need to cry out like David did because David's story does end well. We've all sinned and we all have done things that are not right so let's just be honest what do we do now those of us here who want to live a holy life righteous life you need to repent don't cover up your sin don't make excuses for your sin be honest with yourself and say i have sinned if you haven't been born again say i am a sinner i need to be born again if you've been born again say jesus wash me of my sins look at psalms 51 look at it right above the paragraph go and put it down right this is a little bit brother before verse 1, there's a, there's a preface there. This is actually found in the ancient text right there. For the director of music, this is actually a song. Imagine singing this, have mercy on me, God. Here it is. For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Until you pray a prayer like that, you're not really being saved. You're not really being washed of sin. None of this, oh, God, I'm sorry, but you know that that person is so good looking. I have to, but I have no choice but to lust. Or, God, I'm sorry for losing my temper. You know my coworker's a fool. You know I had to tell him as it was. No, God's not looking for us to make excuses for our sins. God, you know how my wife is. You know how uh, you know, we act at that time and at night. No, there's no excuse. We say, God, have mercy. Forgive us. Blot out our sins. Look what he said. For I know my transgressions. You've got to know your sin. I heard a, pro uh, a pastor once say, confess your sins individually because you committed them individually. Some of you will come up here and just say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. No, go by every one that you can remember. Lord, forgive me of looking at pornography last night. Lord, forgive me of cursing. Lord, forgive me of jealousy. Go through your sins. Know your sins. Confess them. He said, my sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned. Because what's integrity? What's true righteousness? It's who you are when no one's looking between you and God. He says, yeah, I know I've hurt a bunch of people, but really who have I hurt the most? It's you and done what's evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Look at verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. That's a way that they used to bring their sacrifices to God. Today would be pleading the blood of Jesus 
Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crush rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. And here it is, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart. Everybody say a pure heart. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness. What's another way of saying righteousness? Everybody say a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We need to live right at home. We need to live right on our jobs. We need to live right with our families. We need to live right with the people in this church. We need to live right with strangers. We need to live a righteous life, people. And if we should fall, if we should sin, we should be quick to come back to God and say, Lord, you know my sin. I know my sin. Forgive me. Blot it out. Wash me. Make me clean. And give me a pure heart. And give me a steadfast spirit. That's the way we live for God. The kingdom of God is not showing up at church on Sundays, going to church on Christmas. The kingdom of God is living a righteous life in the Holy Spirit. Come on. It's living the life God called us to live. It's being different than the people on the workplace. It's being different than our politicians. It's being different than the people who have used us and abused us. It's shining as lights in a dark place. We are here to live righteous. It doesn't matter what your neighbor does, what your friend does. Make a decision today. You will live righteous. If you believe it, can you say amen? That's some good preaching right there. Amen? Live righteous. Praise God. Live holy. Remind me as your pastor. Remind the brothers, the the sisters. Let us all live right. Everybody say live right. Amen. Now let's go to the next one. Peace. Now everybody just take a step back and just chill and just go peace. Come on, put up the peace sign. Come on, just go peace. Amen. It's going to be up and down, up and down. So hang in with us. Peace. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The first thing is righteousness. How do we live on the inside determines the kingdom of God in us. If I say I'm not living right then I'm, and I'm a Christian, I'm of the devil. But if I live right, I'm a child of God. And even if I sin, God cleanses and washes me. Now let's talk about peace. How many just need some peace today? How many just need peace in their life? Come on. What is the definition of peace? Without war, tranquil, at ease. Isn't that the opposite of what our society is right now? Literally, we're at war. Literally, everybody here is not at ease. Stress right now, medicine, uh, medical doctors are telling us that stress is causing so many sicknesses, so many diseases. Obesity is linked to stress. Heart attacks are linked to stress. Marriages ending in divorce linked to stress. What is the opposite of that, being at peace? You ever been to somebody's house and it's just, you know, the kids are flying off the, uh, the fan and, uh, you know, everything is going crazy and you're just sitting there going like, man, this is nuts, you know? But you ever been to a place and it's just at peace? We need to have our homes at peace. I know when I can walk into somebody's house, listen to me, I'm not here to judge, you know, like walk in like, hmm, are, are, are my families in the church living for God? No, I'm just telling you, when I walk into people's homes and there's peace, you can just feel it. You can just feel comfortable. You can just lean back on the couch and just talk about life and the kids are in order and the people are in order. Are you all listening to me? There needs to be peace in our lives. Peace personally. Peace externally. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. This is a wonderful promise given to us by Paul. That God does for all of us because you know what? We are not going to be in a peaceful world. That's one thing you can always be sure of. If you haven't realized that, that yet, you can never have peace because the world's at peace. Today it's our economy. Tomorrow it will be something else. It will always be something of turmoil. And if you know like I do, the news media of our culture doesn't like to put on the news how a Boy Scout helped an old lady across the street if they still do that. They can't put that on the news. They have to put all the terrible things, all the fearful things that are going on. I mean, I understand that Chicago is the murder capital of the city, but now I hear about it every, uh, America, I hear about it every day. You know, you can't turn on the TV without seeing murders. Peace is not because of what's going on out here. It's because of the kingdom of God in here. Come on, somebody get a little happy with me. Your circumstances don't dictate your identity. 
Your circumstances may be going to hell in a handbasket. Things may be going so wrong in this world, but it can be going right, right here. Amen? If you're with me in Philippians, somebody say, I'm there. Let's just go to verse 4. Let's get happy right here. Go to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. All the anxious hearts in this church hear this message. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with a little thanksgiving on the side. Come on. Present your request to God. And look at this promise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. How many times has this promise kept you through the midnight hour? I thank God that he told me the truth when he wrote this word right here. And he says, and the peace. Oh, come on, somebody. And the peace, which, uh, peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I need to make an illustration right here. Let's get Ishmael and Augie and, and David and Danny to come stand up here real quick. We're going to get you on the podium here. Danny, I want you to be in the middle. Guys, I want you to make a wall around Danny, shoulder to shoulder, a little circle, wall around him. Figure it out. Let me get one more guy. It might be too much. I thought we had a wide, wide shoulder right there. We'll give you one more, two more. Give me give a doubtful and uh, Eddie Berto. Somebody say the peace of God, which transcends. Come on, say it with me. Which transcends all understanding will what? Guard your heart and your So let's say right here, this is your heart and your mind. Right? What is this around your heart and mind? Peace of God. I want you guys to take about two steps forward. I don't want you to let me touch him. Can you do that? See, look. See, look, man, see, we're in depression right now. The society we live in, man, the gas prices went down, but everything else is messed up. Come on, dude, I want to touch that mind. Come on, brother, let me get him with the girl right here. Let me tell him that he's never going to get married. Come on. See, anxiety, where's anxiety come from? I'll never get married. Come on, let me tell him he's going to fail in school. He's never going to pass those classes. That's good for you, right? Come on. He's never going to pass classes. You're never going to make it. Everybody got the illustration. Give him a hand clap for being up here. Come on. Somebody say the peace of God. The Bible says you don't have to understand it. I don't understand. I don't understand how I always pay my bills. I don't understand how I met my wife after eight years when I thought I was going to be a bachelor to the rapture. Hello? I don't understand how that little pretty butterfly came and sat on my flower. I didn't know how it all put together. I didn't know how you all got here this morning to fill these chairs up. You, you may not understand how everything's going to connect the dots in your life. God's not having a committee meeting up there with you today going, Okay, Ish, let's figure it all out before I do this in your life. No, God says, Trust me, and my peace will pass your understanding. When anxiety comes, my friends, let the peace of God be in your heart. It's a choice. How do you do it? With prayer. With prayer. With thanksgiving. You make your request known to God. God, you know we need finances. I ask you for it. Now thank Him. Put some thanksgiving on that. I thank you for it. I bless you for it. Even before I see it, I know it's coming. Then peace comes to you. Hallelujah. And it guards your hearts and minds. And when the whole world around us is going crazy... We're saying peace. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say peace. Oh, glory to God. Look at John 16, verse 33. Our Lord and Savior. Look at what he said before he left. He made a promise to us. If you know Jesus gave you salvation, then you need to know he gives you peace. Prayer is not just a wishing well. It's not just I'm wishing for things to change. No, prayer is a time where my mind is guarded from the things of this world. Prayer is a time where our hearts are guarded. Don't let anxiety take you away from prayer. I've heard somebody say, I'm too busy and stressed to pray. Listen to me. You are too busy and stressed out not to pray. You better get up an hour earlier and pray three hours today. Amen? Because sleeping ain't going to help you. You need to get in God's presence. And the peace will come and transcend your understanding. I thank God for His peace. If you believe it, say amen. Come on, somebody. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. I love Jesus. Do you love him? Come on, somebody say, I love Jesus. 
Jesus said, I have told you these things. Now you can read all of those things in the preceding verses and chapters of John 14, 15, and 16. It's wonderful. He said he was going to send us the Holy Spirit to live in us so that we could have this peace and joy in life. But he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have, because in this world you will have, but take heart, I overcome the world. You see that exclamation mark after heart? God is excited about giving you encouragement. You know what the word encourage means? It means to give courage. When we feel stressed out, when we feel anxious, we can come to God in prayer and he will fill our gas tank up with courage and go, you can make it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet in closing today. Let's receive some joy. Let me give you a couple scriptures as you're standing up. Band, would you come up here today? Righteousness, doing what's right before God, integrity when no one else is looking, peace, being tranquil, at ease, knowing God is with you. Now look at joy. Everybody, open your Bibles if you can while you're standing to Psalms 30, verse 11. Psalms 30, verse 11. This just gets me excited. Come on, one person. Anybody else excited? Aren't you glad that you don't have to buy peace by the pound at the grocery store? Because what would you do if they were out of it, you know? I'd like to have some peace today. Oh, we just sold out. Somebody else needed it more than you. They bought all the peace we had. Aren't you glad you don't have to buy joy in a bottle and drink it? That's what people think alcohol is, though, don't they? They think that's joy. Come on, that's not joy. It goes away once the buzz is gone and things are worse. Look at some of these scriptures. I want you just to stretch out and stand with me because we're going to get excited here and just love God in closing today. Psalms chapter 30, verse 11, if you're there, can you say, I'm there? Jesus said, through the prophet David, you have turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Somebody say, I'm clothed with joy. That my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Did you put on some joy this morning? Come on, did you put it on? When you walk out there and you're like, okay, let's get ready for another winter. Let's do it. Put on some joy. Get happy. Find something to be happy about. Amen. Oh, look at the leaves. They're beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. Just find something to be happy about. Look at your neighbor and say, be happy. Psalms 19, verse 8. Turn to another one. Psalms 19, 8. Remember, it's not the kingdom of self. If we were the kingdom of self and we would say it's all about these, what would we say? Money, family, home, right? So if you lose your family, your money, and your home, you can never be happy again. And some people have suffered that tragedy. But no, the kingdom of God is not money, home, and family. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what builds a happy family. That's what makes us a happy home. And that's what allows me to spend money and still be happy when it's all gone. I want to be just as happy on the payday as I am on bill day. And I know that sounds crazy, but we have to be because that's not the determination of our happiness. Amen? Look at this. Psalms Psalms 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Joy. Joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Have you ever just read this Bible and it brought joy to your heart? Somebody was telling me that their co-worker was afraid to read the Bible. Now, you know, that's got to be crazy. This is your basic instruction before leaving earth, man. This is your only hope. This is your only road map out of here. This is your lifeboat. You reject this, there's no hope. David said, the precepts of God actually make me happy. So one day, if you feel down and out, just pick up the Bible and read where it says rejoice in the Lord and be happy. That's a precept. Be happy. Read the Bible where it says fast and pray and add some thanksgiving. Be happy. Read the Bible where it says get together with your friends and go out witnessing and share the gospel. Get happy. Hallelujah. Look at another one with me. Here's one of my favorites. Psalm 16, verse 11. And this is where we'll close today having joy in the presence of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad he's not a dead prophet of the past like Buddha and Confucius. I'm glad that he's alive today. 
I'm glad that we're not just serving some mystical God like the New Agers with crystals and beads. I'm glad today He's a person. And I'm glad today He's not just made up like Zeus and Hercules and Batman. I'm glad that He's really alive and He really died for my sins and your sins. And He really hears us when we call on His name. Amen? Look what David said. You have made me to know the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Why are we so excited about when the church gets together to sing songs to God? Because that's when His presence comes. I want to encourage every one of you this week, get alone. Pray to God and don't leave till His presence comes and He fills you with joy. I don't know how long you'll be there. I don't know how many times you'll have to say, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. I don't know, but He will come. You will feel Him break through whatever you're facing. And just like water being poured into an empty cup, you'll start feeling the joy rise up in your soul. And you'll have something to sing about. You'll have something to get out there and live for. Because you know as well as me, we can't live just for houses, money, and cars, and jobs, and family. We need God in our lives. And He fills us with His presence. Would you close your eyes? Just raise up your hands and say, Lord, I declare I'm in Your kingdom. And the kingdom of God is within me. And the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, fill me with your kingdom. Come on, just hand raised. Talk to him. Talk to him. Come on, Jesus, we love you. Right now, with hands raised, if you want to come and be made righteous before God, just come to your knees at this altar. If you need to repent of sin, whether you're a believer that has sin in your heart or you do not know the Lord and you want to be born again, just come to the front. No one's going to judge you and just kneel down and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me righteous. Cry out like David did. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Those of you here that just say, I need to be made righteous. No one's judging you. No one's here to point a finger at you. We're inviting you to pray. It's between you and God, remember. The kingdom of God is within you. Come on, now those that need peace, those that are going through turmoil, and you just want God to pass your understanding, to guard your heart and mind, come up next to them right now, quickly on your knees, and let's just pray right now. Peace for those that need peace. Come on, peace for those that need it right now. God is here. God is in this place. Jesus will fill you with peace. You may be going through a problem with your family, your finances, plurality of things all at one time. Come on, God will guard you. God will take care of you. And lastly, if you need joy, if you need joy, just join us up here right now. If you just need joy, whatever you're going through, you just want God to give you some joy in this place right now as we begin a song to sing a song don't leave until we sing this song we'll end on a timely manner today but everybody stay come on those that are praying pray the rest of you sing this song with me as our elders begin to pray for those up here and let us all be filled more with righteousness more with peace more with the joy of the lord right now come on jesus elders just begin to pray for them If they have prayer requests, hear their prayer requests. If you want to say what it is, you can tell somebody. You don't have to if you don't want to, but if you want to, confess it. Come on, man. You're a little bit behind. Let's just get excited in this place today. Come on. We're going to lift up a praise to God. We're going to let the presence of God come in this place. Come on. Jesus. Come on. That's it. Joy, righteousness. Give God five more minutes of this service and watch what He can do. Amen. Amen. I pray right now for every person. Come on.
on the fullness, the fullness of the kingdom. Oh God, oh how great is our God. Come on, let's sing it again. Those up at the altar, sing. Everybody in the congregation, name above all names, kingdom of God within us. Woo! Righteousness, peace, and joy. How great is our God. Yes, Lord. Yes, how great. You're so big. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Keep your word today. Do what only you can do. How great, how great you are. Is our God. Hallelujah. Now, just as the music plays, come on, everybody, just talk to the Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you. Sing that out. Just sing. Come on. And joy. Peace. Yes. In the Holy Ghost. Come on, man. Just listen to this. I receive and I receive righteousness and peace and joy and joy. Come on, I receive, I receive righteousness and peace and joy. Come on, just can you sing that before we go together? I receive righteousness. Where does it come from? It comes from God and the Holy Spirit. I receive, I receive righteousness and peace and joy. Couple more times, come on. I receive right. That means I can do what's right. Even when everybody else turns their back on me. Come on, I can receive and peace. No matter what's going on in my life. Come on, I'm going to be at peace with God. I receive. Yes, and peace. And joy. Come on, like a river flowing through my belly. As Nancy, my wife, comes, would you hold somebody's hand? Get by your family if you can, but everybody holds somebody's hand. My wife today is going to pray for those three areas in our lives. 
You know what's going on. I mean, as a pastor, God only just gives me the general message. You know the specifics. I'm sure many of you, as as I was speaking, because I've heard this before, people will say, Pastor, how did you know you were talking right to me? I, I, I needed that. Well, listen to me, man. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. See, God's in you. My wife's going to pray for those three areas. As she prays, pray specifically now for your family, the things you just know in your life that you're laying down at these altars today, that you're giving to God. Because you know this was for you. Many of you, it was just something that spoke to you. And I know you're going to walk out if you're changed. And as my wife prays, let's believe that today. We don't have to live unrighteous lives like everybody else. We don't have to be stressed out. And we don't have to be sad and depressed. We can be righteous, full of peace, and full of joy. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can live righteous lives before you because of what you accomplished on the cross. And I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to fill us with righteousness. Lord God, we desire to be people that fear you and walk in your commands. Oh God, we want to be in right standing with you. We want to be men and women of integrity, Lord God, in our families, in our workplaces, when nobody is looking or when all eyes are on us, oh God. We want to honor you. Let us be a people. Let us be a generation that is righteous, oh God, that stands apart from the world, oh God, and fill us with your peace. Fill us with your peace that surpasses all understanding, oh God, to guard our hearts and our minds when the enemy comes against us. When we hear all the voices of the world, oh God, let your peace silence every voice except yours, oh God. Guard our heart and guard our mind. We want your voice to be the only voice that we hear, the only voice that we follow. When turmoil surrounds us, oh God, let us stand on your word. Let us stand firm in your word, oh God, because you are our solid rock and our firm foundation. And fill us with your joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory, oh God, that cannot come from the world. Joy that our family can't give to us. Joy that our paycheck can't give to us. Joy that only comes from being with you, living in you and you and us, oh God. Finding our purpose in you, Jesus. So as we go forth this week, Lord God, I pray that we will be a people that live, Lord God, in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let us bring it into our homes. Let us bring it into our workplaces. Let us saturate this city with righteousness, peace, and joy. Because everywhere we go, you are, oh God. And I pray that people will want what we have. And they will say, give it to me. Tell me how you have it. i got to have what you have. I don't like my life anymore. What do you do? Who do you serve? I want to know your God. Oh, Lord, shine in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Slap somebody high five and say, welcome to the kingdom of God. Have a great week. We love you. Come back again. Welcome, amen, to the kingdom of God.